Hello, everyone. Today is going to be an exceptional episode with Libby Crow. Libby escaped after being trapped inside the food and fitness frenzy cycle. That's what Libby calls the cycle of dieting and exercising to lose or maintain weight to finally feel good about your body. Now she creates programs and workshops to help women relax around food and love their bodies in the field of eating psychology. Libby believes in the marrying of physical, emotional, cerebral, and spiritual approaches to body love. She's a scale smasher, a carrot cake connoisseur, and a dog mom living in Santa Monica, California. This episode, we just wrapped it up. It was so much fun, and we just got to talk about a lot of really interesting things that probably haven't heard on the podcast yet, and a lot of things that are going to just put you at ease in your recovery journey or your your body love, body acceptance journey, wherever you are, whatever stage you're in, whatever reason you're listening to this podcast for, you're going to have something good in this episode. I promise you. So stick around for that. This is the review of the week, and it comes from... Hmm. Two dogs, uh oh. <laughs> Maddie has an amazing gift with five stars. Maddie used her own struggles to bring healing to her listeners. Her own style is never overbearing or narrow, and she has an amazing cross section of guests and topics that continually surprise me. Whatever your body challenges are, you will benefit from Maddie's passion and positive positivity. Thank you, two dogs, uh oh. I so appreciate that, and I hope that you're still listening to the podcast and loving the guests that I've been having on. But more than anything, I really appreciate you saying that I'm not overbearing or narrow. That is my goal. That is definitely my goal, so I'm really grateful to know that that's coming across as such. So in today's episode, you are going to be hearing so many great things. One of the things is uh, Libby is coming out with a program called A Greater Love, and I really encourage everyone to check this out because I do think it's going to be very powerful, very, very helpful for everyone. Um, So you can check that out on the show notes for this. And as I will tell you later on, this is episode 92. So it's just going to be at maddiemoon.com slash mbm92. So check that out. Uh, Let's head on over to this show. Welcome to the Mind Body Musings podcast, the show for everyone and anyone that is ready to break free from the dogmatic chains of the health and fitness industry and create their own life free from restrictions. Now, introducing your host, Madeline Moon, a former fitness model gone sane and the author of the popular self-love book, The Perfection Myth. If you dig the show and you're looking for more insight on how to stop food and exercise from controlling your life, check out her website, maddiemoon.com, and grab your free guide. If you're ready to end dieting once and for all, it's time you learn how to pursue real health instead. Enjoy the show. Hey guys, welcome back to the Mind Body Musings podcast. I am here with Miss Libby Crow, who I'm so, so excited to talk with today because we've been really bonding recently, I would say. We've had this relationship kind of grow online. We've been having some Skype calls and chats, and she's someone that I can really resonate with. And I just really appreciate her message and all of the beautiful things she's doing in the world today. I don't know if uh, many of you signed up for the Body Love series that I was a part of. I put that out in one of my email lists. So if you were part of that Body Love series, then the host of that, one of the hosts of that, is Libby. So she's here today, and I'm so excited to dive into this conversation. How are you doing today, Miss Libby? Hello, my love. Thank you so much. You are wonderful. And I've enjoyed this beautiful relationship blossoming too. I'm doing well. Hasn't it been the best? Like, I just love talking with you. I love you. I just love talking with you. (laughs) I love you too. It's really nice when you can meet someone in a similar field that you just vibe tribe. So yeah, exactly. Okay. So this is your first podcast to be on, which to me, I'm like super excited about because I just geek out on taking people's podcast virginity. But um, (laughs) I know you're interviewed all the time, so you get the spiel of this. But for this, let's dive in at the beginning and talk about your background, your story, all the stuff you've gone through. Make it as long or short as you'd like. This is your time. Mm. 
Yeah, it's so fun to share different parts of our stories, right? So I'll this is what I'd like to share today. I I grew up in Wyoming and uh, my whole life I was kind of on this track of you you go to school, you go to college, you get the job, you know, that that autopilot. And so after I graduated from college, I was an elementary teacher for a few years and during that time, uh I don't know if there are any teachers listening, but it's a it can be a pretty pretty stressful job, and your health definitely comes secondhand to all of the kids and and everything else going on, all the moving pieces, and and so my health wasn't my top priority, and uh, up until that point too, I always struggled with negative body image, but I didn't really realize what it was. You know, I just thought that it was normal for everyone to dislike their bodies and, and kind of judge them and make snide comments about our bodies. I didn't really understand what body image was. So I was a little disconnected from, from that world. But in, in my second year of college, everything, um, started to change. And, um, in terms of my body and in terms of me kind of being more connected to it. And then it wasn't until I started teaching after that, my dad actually passed away when I was teaching elementary school and he passed away from not taking care of his health. And that was this huge trigger for me, Maddie, where I realized, oh, I need to start really taking care of my health and I need to get my ducks in a row. And so at that point, I went into this extreme fitness and nutrition phase um, where I was counting calories and weighing myself multiple times a day. And I'd find this immense joy when I would check off my workout from the workout calendar and really in this fanatic phase of nourishment. And through that, <laughs> the bonus, I guess, was that I started my first business, which was based in fitness and nutrition. And it wasn't until a few years after I started that I, I realized that I was bananas. I mean, you had that experience too, right? Where you, you just hit this point where you're like, this is exhausting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it was actually in Italy that I had this <laughs> epiphany and this this monumental moment. I had been eating pasta and just eating so much gelato and kind of going off the deep end with food during a month of Italy. And I hadn't given myself permission to eat anything like that for a couple of years, being in that fanatic state of nourishment. And I was in the shower in Venice, Italy, and... <laughs> this was after a lot of vino, a lot of gelato, a lot of pasta, okay, for weeks. <laughs> and I I was in the shower and I looked down at my body and I was so sad and I felt so ashamed and I was so mad at myself because I had tried so hard for a couple years to just have this thin stomach and always be toned and eat super clean. And I got to this, this shower in, in Venice, Italy, and my stomach was poofed out and I was crying and I was just, I hit this point and I, I said, you know what? Like, do I really want to be 95 years old and continuing to weigh myself every day? Like, do I really want to travel the world and not explore food and have fun and relax around that? Like, do I want to have this tension on my back all the time regarding how my body looks, maintaining weight, losing weight, regarding me only eating clean foods? And so I hit this moment in that shower where I was like, I'm done, you know, I, 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 this is exhausting, I quit. <laughs> and um, this was after some training at the Institute for the Psychology of Eating. And what's really interesting is that we can know a lot of this stuff intellectually, but until we physically and emotionally feel, ah, like I don't need to be so attached to all of this with the body and the food, then that's when the change happens, right? So I had my actual physical and emotional epiphany then. <laughs> and that led to me creating a new business based in body image, body love, self-love, and eating psychology. So that's kind of a little bit about <laughs> the, the moments 
that led me to where I'm at now. Wow. And it's interesting because we have very similar stories. I didn't even realize the pattern, how similar they were from going from the uh, obsessed with clean eating and being diet coaches and fitness coaches over to learning about the psychology of food and having like this aha moment, this epiphany that led to new businesses. So that's so cool. Thank you for sharing and opening up about that. I'm curious about your, your father and his passing. Mm-hmm. It's, that's such a, man, I just, I can't even imagine. And to me, when I hear you say that after that is when you became very you know, obsessed with health in a way, do you think mm-hmm. part of it was you want to be healthy because you know, you want to live a long life, but also because something happened traumatic and you didn't know how to control and you had that fear of the unknown and you just didn't know how to um, cope with that feeling. And so food and your weight was the easiest way to cope with this, this traumatic event. Oh, I got full body chills when you just said that because you hit the nail on the head, you know. Um, <clears throat> anyone who's lost their uh, father or parent or someone close to them in their early 20s. Um, How do you grieve? How do you cope with that? You know, especially I had to jump back in teaching five days after my dad died. You know, I didn't, there was no time. There was no, and I didn't know how. And, you know, nobody's there like as your grief coach, like, hi, you know, can I get hired as your grief coach? So, so um, I absolutely focused all of my energy on controlling my food and my body because I didn't know what to do. I was at this point of my life. When someone dies in your life like that, uh, you kind of reevaluate your whole life. You're like, who am I? What am I doing? Oh, my God. And it's so overwhelming. And so you have to – it feels like you have to cling to something, right? Like I have to at least feel certainty with something, which is funny because everything's uncertain. But, you know, you have to feel that false certainty with something. And I chose – my body and specifically, yeah, because he, he was an alcoholic and he didn't take care of himself. So I, I thought, well, number one, <clears throat> I have to take care of myself. And number two, I can't process this. So it, it definitely, it was like a twofer, right? It was like extreme because that's the only thing I knew, um, I could control. Today, when you have thoughts and when your dad comes up in, in your mind and your life in certain areas, how do you cope then? Because you don't turn to controlling your weight. What do you turn to now? Hmm. Well, now, because of a lot of work I've done, when I think of him, it's actually a peaceful, loving feeling. Hmm. So it, does, it doesn't strike a chord. Um, but when things do strike a chord, <laughs> maybe it's not with him or, or just other things that might provoke anxiety or stress. There are a lot of different things that I turn to. Sometimes it even is food and that's okay. You know, Mm. sometimes I will go to the fridge and I'm not judging myself. I'm like, I'm stressed and I'm eating this apple and almond butter or this, this, whatever. I've been really into figs lately and, and it's okay that I'm eating this, but, uh, also I'll go on a walk. I live in Santa Monica, so I'll go to the beach, I'll go to yoga. Sometimes I'll just lay on my floor with my dog. (laughs) Uh, So so I think it's okay that I'm still turning to food in times that I feel stressed. It's just not my number one coping mechanism anymore. You know, it's like I, I know how to deal with that beyond just numbing out. I am so glad that you said that. I am so glad you said that because that's something that I don't often like remember to talk about on this show. But that's why I have this lovely guest like you on to, to bring this up because it is so true that sometimes all of us, I'm going to talk about me. I turn to food whenever I feel emotional all the time, but like I'm okay with it because I acknowledge what I'm doing. It's not mm-hmm. mindless. It's just, hey, like I really miss my best friend who I used to always have froyo with. So I'm going to go get some froyo. It's a comforting thing. I'm not like starving or I'm not super hungry, but I don't really care because this is going to be feeding a different part of me, like my heart hunger, not necessarily my (laughs) stomach hunger. And that's one of the seven principles of mindful eating is heart hunger. So that's why I love mindful eating is so you know all the different reasons why you do eat and sentimental reasons one, emotional reasons one, having like emotions. It is totally fine to eat emotionally. I would almost argue that a lot of times when we eat based on our food choices, it's because of our emotions, right? 
Yeah, that's why you say, what do you feel like tonight? Instead right. of, what do you what do you think cerebrally that you'd like to digest today? <laughs> like, exactly. We don't say that because we're humans and we have emotional intelligence. And ever since you came out of the womb, you've been emotionally eating, you know? So, mm-hmm. yeah, we definitely can't take that away, but we can understand it and love and honor it more. Mm-hmm. I just tune out those messages of you know five ways to not emotional eat or things you can do besides emotional eating because that's just not a positive message sure it's good to find other coping mechanisms other than food but throwing out emotional eating altogether and just labeling it as bad completely that's not right that's not a way to live so glad you brought yeah. that up um yeah. one of the things that you talk about like in your bio is the food and fitness frenzy cycle which i've never mm-hmm. heard of before can you tell us what this this fff is Yeah, it's something that I just coined, I guess, is the term because that's the only way that I could describe it for myself. But basically, what it is, is the beginning, and it's a diagram too, I can send it your way, but I I created a little little pictorial. So at the beginning of the cycle, you're unhappy with your body from whatever reason, from from media, marketing, from your mother, from yourself, your spouse, whatever reason you're unhappy with your body you are. And what we do is we want that control you mentioned. And so we decide to, the next step in the cycle after unhappiness with our body is that we try something new, a new program, a new routine, whether that's a 21 day thing or a cleanse or a what, what have you. And what usually happens are those routines and plans are restrictive in some capacity. Those routines and plans create tension. And so And they also usually don't factor in life, which includes brunch sometimes and cake, right? (laughs) And and so the next step in the cycle is is that you fall off the wagon, you know? And this is the part where you get really into judgment and comparison. You're like, how come this girl can eat her clean food for 30 days and I slip up on day five? And, you know, and so we slip up and then where are we? Unhappy again. And so it's this cycle where it's like, you're unhappy with your body, you try something restrictive or a routine or a plan, you fall off of it because you're a human and life happens and then you're unhappy again and it just keeps going and going and going. And uh, some people call it the diet binge cycle, but it doesn't. you don't have to be specifically dieting or binging for this to be the cycle. I describe it as if you have any tension at all around fitness or food, you're in the cycle because you're you're not really focusing on the fact that your unhappiness is based off your body image, which that should be probably more of the core focus of your energy rather than the external things of the food and fitness. So that's the cycle that we can be in. And most women, I would say, are in it, Maddie. And then if you're not in it, it's because you've been in it for a while and you're just like, I'm out. Like, I don't want to be connected to my body. I give up. I don't care. I'm just numbing out. I just forget it, you know. So that's the cycle. Most women are in it, and that's so sad to think about. Or, like you said, they're they're finally like, I'm done. I'm sick of it. Or they're entering it, and they're like, oh, I'm picking up this magazine. I should try this out. I've never thought about doing a 20-day, 21-day cleanse or whatever, what have you. It's so easy to start this food and fitness frenzy cycle being like, oh, I want to have a new goal of going to the gym. That sounds like a great goal for myself. And it quickly turned into, if I don't go to the gym, if I don't lift weights, then I am a failure. If I don't do this, then I should feel guilty or I should feel shame about myself. It happens so fast. It happens mm-hmm. so fast. When I started my fitness competitions, I was like, I'm going to do this for a goal. And it so quickly turned into, this is all I'm here on this planet for. <laughs> and I don't know what happened. I mean, I kind of do. I mean, after all this time of pondering and talking about it, I kind of get it now. But at the same time, I'm like, wow, it just happens within a blink of an eye where you become so consumed with it. Thank you, media. Thank you, world, for trying to shame us into changing our bodies constantly. Yeah. Well, you know, it's one of those things that you don't realize you're in it because you're in it. Mm-hmm. And then and then you look back, you're like, wow, I was in that hardcore, real deep, you know, Um One thing, though, I think is important, too, is taking responsibility. So I think it's so easy for us to be in that cycle and be like, well, media says, well, this guru says, and that's really, you know what they say, if you point one finger at someone, you're pointing three back at yourself. So I think that 
it's an opportunity for us to deepen our awareness of responsibility and be like, okay, so this is reality. How am I going to show up if that's the case? You know, like, what am I going to choose? Which is a whole other topic of empowerment and conscious living and, and um, stepping into your queendom, right? It's so true. Because if you are continuously saying, it's just the media's fault. When is the media going to change? The media has to change for me to change. Then you're not accepting it as reality. I love that you pointed that out because it is reality. This is the way things are. So it's your, it's your chance and it's your responsibility to say, this is the way things are. This is the way our world works. But you know what? I can be different. I can, I owe it to myself to respect my body, to love my body, and to use my body for the greater good, to do awesome things within my body, to serve the world within my body, regardless of what I look like. And you saying this, you bringing this up, kind of, you know, brings attention to another thing that I've heard you, you, well, I've read you write about. But that is the thing that we should be letting go of. You wrote a post about, you know, six things to kiss goodbye to. All of these things are awesome. All the points that you made. One of them was... The stop comparing yourself nonsense. And you were writing about how we all compare ourselves. So don't fight comparing yourself to other people. Why is that? Why should we not try to control the amount of time we spend comparing ourselves to people? Yeah. So, you know, the quote, comparison is the thief of joy. Right. Yeah. Well, I just like like to pull out my BS flag on that because it's not true. I mean, <clears throat> People have made it to be true, and we can talk about that, but here, here's the deal. We are always going to compare ourselves as humans. We look around, and we see how we fit in. It's almost a primitive tribal thing that we do, right? We used to do it long ago just to make sure that, oh, is this my tribe? Is this my tribe? But we do it now just to make sure we're fitting in. So, for example, if I wasn't looking around, maybe I'd go to the store naked, right? I wouldn't know what to do. <laughs> and so... Uh, I didn't know, oh, I need to wear clothes outside. So we we look around to kind of just do a check-in on, am I in this society? Like, am I am I almost obeying the rules? But the, the way it becomes toxic, and this is what people talk about when they say comparison is a thief of joy, <clears throat> is when you take that information. All comparison is, is like simple discernment without attachment. It doesn't mean something's good or bad. It just is, right? So you look at something, that's just what it is. It doesn't mean good or bad. But what people do is they take that that observation and they make it mean something about themselves. And that's when it can become toxic. So looking around isn't bad. It's your internal world that's creating um, this like whole spiral of story about yourself when you see an observation that, become, that can become toxic. So here's an example. Like, if I am in yoga class, well, I go to hot yoga. So say that I'm in hot yoga and I am feeling insecure about my body and I look over and there's this girl who is not only in her new Lululemon outfit, but she like has makeup on and her hair is like cute. She's not even sweating. <laughs> I'm like, Ugh. I here's the, here's the fine line, Maddie. It's like if I can look at her and be like, damn, like she's killing it. <laughs> that's, that's observation. Like, oh, she's, she's there over there killing it. I'm here killing it. Awesome. Like she has an outfit on. That's cool. Maybe I might have bought it. But if I make that mean something about myself, so, oh, because she looks like that, I must look bad. I must look ugly because she can do that. I must not be worthy of being in this class. It's when we take our our observations and turn them in to a story about ourselves that's what can be toxic so that's that's the discernment I talk about with comparison so when that does happen when you do start looking at other people and feel jealousy or you feel envious of their body how they eat their boyfriend their job what then how do you let those thoughts just pass through and you just observe them because that's generally what I aim to do and what I teach my clients is to not fight those thoughts, but to just say, take a step back, kind of have a bird's eye view and be like, oh, look at this individual experiencing these feelings of inadequacy. <laughs> like, yeah. isn't that interesting? I wonder why that is. Let those feelings kind of just sit in there and then they will pass. And it gets easier for them to just quickly pass through as time goes on with practice. Is that something that you do or you practice or do you do something different? Yeah, kind of what you said. What I do is I get curious. 
So instead mm-hmm. of letting something pass, I'm like, let's dissect this sucker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, I, and I ask myself, like, what is – because everything we see in someone else is what a reflection of ourselves, right? So it's actually quite simple. If I'm looking at someone and I feel inadequate, that's because I have some work to do internally on some inadequacies that I'm feeling. So really I get curious, okay, what in my life – and I just start to question – it's like self-realization, right? It's like, it's self-questioning. So what in my life do I feel like I'm not hitting the bar? Like, what am I, is it my relationships, my finances, my business? Is it my love life? Like, I just really start to dissect and get curious. And the reason why we often don't do this is because we are rushed and nobody wants to stop and take time and think about this because it's a scary thing to get to know yourself sometimes, right? You dig up all this stuff that you didn't realize was there from maybe even childhood. And so I think the reason why people are running around feeling so like, ah, I'm comparing and I don't know why and I can't stop is because there's no slowdown to dissect what's actually the truth. Right, exactly. And that's that's what I mean when I say let them pass because when you yeah. take a bird's eye view, you are looking and you're like, huh, this is, this is interesting. Why is this person like trying to step away and act like it's not, ah, it's everything about me, but looking at and saying, why do I feel this way? What is going on? How is this person affecting me so much? And getting curious, and that is how it passes through. That is how it doesn't feel harbored because you get to the source of the answer. You figure out why. And then it's easier to just like let it run through. So that's awesome. That's beautiful. Another thing that you had listed in that article that I want, I just want to touch on because I think it's a great positive reminder for everyone listening to this. We don't have to sweat when we work out. I love (laughs) that you brought this up because so many people think you have to sweat for it to be a quote, real workout, or you have to burn a certain amount of calories for it to be a quote, real workout. Or you have to have it on your calendar, right? Any of Mm -hmm. you like control freaks, OCD-ish, like with having to have it on your calendar and see it down for it to be, quote, real? That is me to a T. So I'm glad you brought this up. So what made you think of putting not having to sweat to make it a workout inside of that article? Oh, girlfriend. I mean, that was my mindset for a while, you know, as Mm -hmm. I grew up as an athlete. And so that was kind of, I mean, who knows how long I had that idea in my head that exercise has to be sweating and you have to like feel super exhausted at the end, you know? Uh, but I wrote that one down because (laughs) as I was transitioning out of my fanatic state of nourishment, um, (laughs) I, I started going on walks more and I started counting that as my movement for the day. Mm -hmm. And I felt like a rebel, you know, I was like, Oh my gosh, like I didn't have to do this home workout today or I didn't have to go to the gym. And I still, found pleasure in moving my body like what and so I included that because when we give ourselves permission to just do what we want to do I mean holy cow does it open a gateway to so many other things so I thought that was important because my experience had been up until the last few years that it yeah to exercise you do have to sweat your buns off when I was doing pole dancing and I haven't been doing it for a while just because I've been, like you, I've been doing a lot of hot yoga. It's been really therapeutic for me, very healing. But when I was doing pole dancing and like that was all I was doing a few times a week, I never sweat. I never mm-hmm. sweat. And I only did that for like, I did that for like four months, maybe longer, five or six months actually. It was pretty wa- long time. But I never sweat when I did it. And I, I don't know, probably because it's in a nice air conditioned room and it, it just wasn't, it was physically so, so exhausting. My muscles were trembling. My skin was burning by the end of it. But I wasn't dripping in sweat, thank goodness, because then I would fall off the pole. I mean, really, what? <laughs> I didn't want to do it. No wonder they keep it cool in there. Seriously, if you fall in there, like, that is bad news. So I never sweat. And to me, that was good. And, and like, it was good enough for me. I didn't feel obsessed about it. And the days that I did only take walks, because I haven't, me and you have not had this discussion, but when I first stopped, when I first started like the healing process and I, I moved towns and I just started fresh, I also didn't go to the gym for a month. I made myself this little pact saying no gyms for the next month. And all I took were walks for like a month. It was so nice. And I think I'm due for another another one of those just you know, deprogramming resting months. Cause I think those are pretty necessary and I haven't done that. And since that one time, which is now two years ago. So mm. 
I only took walks, and I think this is great around summertime. If anyone is in a place where there's stuff to do outside during the summer, take a month off from any memberships and just go outside and hike and take walks and go to the park and do some stretches in the park and just do everything outdoors. It's so healing and it's it's like so fun that it doesn't even matter if you sweat or not because you're actually enjoying the whole process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and definitely give yourself a little love because it doesn't just happen overnight where you had this idea and this belief that you have to sweat to work out and then the next day you're just walking and feeling pleasure, you know, like sometimes you're going to feel a little guilt and at first and that's okay. Just love yourself through it and, and re-listen to this podcast <laughs> and right. uh, yeah, hiking, biking, anything that's fun for you. Right, exactly. And if you do really love to sweat, then that's not a bad thing either. Because I'm assuming both me and you, Libby, like we like to sweat, which is why like, hi, hot yoga. I mean, it feels good. <laughs> yeah, we're not saying don't sweat. But um, if, if you feel like you have to, then that's something to definitely look at. Exactly. All right. Another thing that I'm dying to talk to you about, and I think you know what I'm going to mention. But let's talk about body image issues and being naked. Mm-hmm. What's up? All right. So you did something recently that I have been thinking about. I've been thinking about you and doing this and like, what would it be like if I did this? But um, for anyone listening, if you heard Alexi Panos on my podcast, if you haven't heard it, that's one of those episodes I refer people who have never listened to the podcast to time and time and time again, because she is a gem. She's amazing. But her name is Alexi Panos. Go check that out. It should be on iTunes or in the archive section on my podcast. But anyway, she and her amazing, incredible boyfriend, Preston Smiles, who has, they both have awesome YouTube channels. They host these workshops called The Naked Truth. And we can't know all the ins and outs of it. It's a very sacred space for people. Um, But Libby did go to it. And I'm really curious about everything about it. So tell us what this Naked Truth is. workshop is and what you experienced while you were doing it to the best of your ability. I know you can't explain everything. Yeah. (laughs) So the reason why I was intrigued to go to a workshop that required nudity (laughs) was because, uh, not because I feel super awesome naked and just want to show my body off to people or anything like that. It's because, uh, I don't know how long it was ago, but a a while ago I heard someone talking about that they spent time in a nudist colony and it healed a lot of their body image issues. And I thought, oh, wow, I'm kind of adventurous. I'm like, oh, I want to do that one day. And I haven't had that opportunity. I guess I've never felt driven to. I could Google it, I'm sure, and find one and do it. But anyway, this workshop came up and, you know, it's like you're going to go and and share your deepest vulnerable stuff and you're going to be naked. And I was like, oh, shoot, (laughs) Um, I'm in, you know. I always try to push my own limits as a coach for other people. Like I have to be doing the work if I expect other people to be doing the work, right? So I I went and it's interesting. I really thought that I was good to go with my body stuff, Maddie. I was like, oh yeah, I've healed so much stuff and um, I work in this field, so I'm good to go. And then the anxiousness started creeping up on me. Uh, a couple days, maybe even a, a little bit before that, but especially a couple days before the workshop, thinking like, oh my gosh, should I shave my legs? Like, wow, like I have definitely have not been working out in the last year. Like just all these old thoughts and these old stories that about body. And I would catch myself and be like, calm your role, Libby, like ca- calm down. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What are you doing? What are you thinking? But they creep up again and I think all sorts of stuff. You know, when you're naked, you're like, okay, what should I do with my situation and you know like <laughs> it, was, it was an interesting cycle of thoughts that happened up until the workshop day and when the workshop day came you know I I was like okay I'm gonna do this it's gonna be okay but I was still so nervous and I think that's because I've been controlling my body image like perception for other people so what I mean by that is 
You know, we can use clothes to feel good about our bodies. We can cover up. We can decide who gets to see our bodies and when and in what lighting <laughs> and in what angles, right? And through pictures too, right? We can be very controlling about the way that we see our bodies actually and the way that other people see our bodies. And this was this moment where I was going to have to be naked in front of all these people that I didn't know and they're going to be staring at my body and there was no anything that I could do about it. Like I was just going to be completely raw naked in front of them. And I was like, oh gosh, like what did I get myself into? <laughs> right? And, uh, you know, the, the workshop was super powerful for me because I realized because of the tension that I was feeling during the workshop and because of the thoughts that came up for me during the workshop, I still have healing to do. And I'm so grateful for that because when we get to a point where we think we're good to go, like, oh, we don't have problems with that, that's when you know you're really lying to yourself, right? Mm -hmm. Like, we, we, this life is a complete journey of, like, figuring out this stuff, not specifically with food and body, but everything. And, and so what it brought up for me is I still have stuff to work on. I can still go layers deeper in this body love. And it was scary, and it was liberating. I mean, I think this this workshop would benefit so many people. Um, and it was very honoring, too, and a space where you can be seen and um, for all of you. And there's no hiding, you know. And so that's just a little bit about the workshop and nakedness and what it brought up for me. And it, I think the essence of what it brought up for me is there's still work to do. And I'm grateful for that. That's so amazing. What a incredible experience and when you I don't know why but when you talk about this and you're like thinking about your thoughts about your body for some reason I feel like I would be like what do I do with my hands like <laughs> what, what where do I put my hands like across my chest like down by my sides where like how do I stand yeah. I would be thinking about those thoughts of course I'd be thinking about more of the you know self-conscious thoughts about my body as well but like my hands like what what do people do with their hands <laughs> yeah well they actually uh, Alexi and Preston are so amazing and they actually tell you how to stand so you don't have to think about that oh my gosh that's amazing it's like they knew <laughs> it's like they knew that people would be freaked out to be naked in front of us it's of like they <laughs> knew it's like they thought about it how cool is that <laughs> yeah so yeah you don't it's I definitely had beads of sweat dripping off my body, my naked body, <laughs> and mm -hmm. um, I wasn't expecting to be in such a stress response state, uh, but I'm thankful that I was because it, it definitely made me realize, ah, there's still more here, and that's great. About how many people go to these workshops? I imagine they cap them off differently depending on the space they held them in, but this one was around 30 people, I believe. Mm, and you all stood up in, in front of everyone and shared something, right? Correct. Wow, that's so powerful. So since that workshop, have you noticed a shift in when you see your body naked? Hmm. Because I've done so much mirror work and body image work, it kind of meshes all together. Um, one thing that I think that workshop provided me with is that other people really see the beauty of my body, um, even if sometimes I don't feel like it. You know how? Oh man, there's a quote going around. It's like you look at you, you look, you look at yourself so much that you don't see how beautiful you are, like how beautiful others see you as. You know, I kind of felt like that, where it's like we all have these different bodies, and we all are running around thinking that our bodies aren't good enough, but our bodies are all so beautiful, big ones, small ones, tall ones, short ones, like. I think it made me realize more as a cohesive, like more as a unit and a union with everyone else, like, oh, we're all just trying to love ourselves and love our own bodies and love each other. And so actually it was more of a um, collective feeling of love in this regard rather than like I had this personal epiphany. It was more like, ah, I can see beauty in so many other bodies more deeply now. And that is powerful. Yeah. That is so powerful. That is a great thing to gain from something like that is being able to know how like other people see your body and how you can see other people's bodies that's so beautiful and I mm -hmm. and I assume that this ties in with your whole body love idea 
and what whole body love is. I think I have a grasp on what that is, but can you explain in your own words what you say whole body love is? Absolutely. Yeah, I should probably uh, coin a cool little term for this um, besides whole body love, but I feel like a lot of stuff, a lot of buzz going around lately about body love and even in my online community, we were discussing an article in which a woman wrote that you can't love your body if you're not taking care of your health. And these are really different things, you know, health and weight are different. And so what whole body love is, is your honor and connection and care for not just your physical body, but your emotional, spiritual and intellectual parts of you as well. So we're really looking at the whole picture here. Um, Body love isn't just working out, eating right, whatever that looks like for you. Um, Whole body love is really much more than that. And so the way that I teach on this and the way that I help people is really diving into all areas of themselves, not just the physical. Absolutely. I love that. I'm so, so glad your definition is includes all of those different aspects because they are so important. And I I can't stand it when people argue the whole you cannot love yourself or you're not loving yourself if you're not taking care of your health. I mean, I, I just it's confusing to me. I don't know how to respond to it because if it's like you don't love yourself if you don't take care of your weight. Okay, obviously that's a no. That's not true at all. Like, shut up. But if it's like talking about you you can't love yourself if you don't take care of your health, there's so many different factors. Like some people don't have the education or the resources or the environment to have the tip top extremist health level that you can possibly achieve. Like you cannot just label all the people that don't have supreme health or this righteous weight or these clean eating patterns as not loving themselves that doesn't make any sense and nobody has the right to put that on someone else or to label someone like that I agree yeah and I think it's important to note here too that sometimes because of perfectionism we want all four of those parts of ourselves um spiritual emotional mental intellectual or physical we want all four parts of that to be balanced and the truth is is that's not life you know life is messy and life is is we spoke about this before we jumped on life is the gray area and so it's okay if they're not all balanced you know like you don't have to have a 10 in all of these categories at all times and I think that's what overwhelms people about this field too is like okay if I if I jump into taking care of myself or if I jump into love and loving myself I have to like do it ninja level. It's like, I I know that's how I always felt. It's like, no, you don't have to be a ninja at all of this. Like, let's just start with acceptance and awareness. And like, let's build a foundation before we try to get 10 tens in all these. So, right. So my last question for you before we go to the quick fire round is that you have a new course called a greater love coming out. Can you tell us about this program? Oh, yeah, I'd be delighted. Yeah. So this is a we're launching it again this spring, uh, this month, and it's a beautiful program. It's six weeks and it encompasses everything from your body image belief framework to working with women inside the food and fitness frenzy cycle uh, to self-love and self-care, um, creating new rituals for those, and a brand new vision and a brand new way of being with yourself. I call it learning a softer, sweeter, more loving way to be with yourself. It's really for women who are designed to go deeper into their whole body love. And uh, it's all virtual and it has videos and mp3s and amazing exercises and tools and it's this dreamy offering that i put out into the world and i'm so proud of it and it's changed women's lives like i read the testimonials and i cry every time it without fail uh, because this work is so powerful so that's a little snippet about a greater love and what day does uh, do the doors open for that the doors open later this month in march the the videos that I am putting out that explain it, that do some teaching aren't out yet, but I will definitely get that information to you as as soon as it's available. Okay, awesome, because this interview will be airing uh, not, yeah, it'll be airing in a couple weeks. So by then I'm assuming it will be, you'll, people will be able to check it out. Yeah, we actually start the first week of April, so that'll be perfect timing. Okay, awesome. So I will have the link to A Greater Love on the show notes for this. If anyone wants to check it out, it'll be at maddiemoon.com slash mbm92. 
can also get there by going to maddiemoon.com slash Libby dash crow. Um, so check that out. All right. Are you ready for, okay, sorry. One more thing. Where can people find you if they're in their car and they're just listening and they don't have the website pulled up? Where can people find you? Yeah, it's just my name, libbycrow.com. That has links to my social media. Okay. Awesome. All right. Now time for the quick fire round. (laughs) So some of these are a little bit like, you know, intenser questions, but I'm trying to like get better at the quick fire round. I've been accumulating a bunch of fun questions. So I'm excited for this. Are you ready? Ready. I don't know what to expect. And I like that. I love uncertainty. Let's do it. (laughs) Okay. All right. Number one, two things you can't live without and you can't include family, friends, that stuff, health. Okay. Two other things. Okay. Um, my dog, does that count as a family member? Uh, yes. yes. Oh, darn it. Any living, okay. breathing soul. Oh, okay. Uh, he's definitely almost like a human. Okay. Uh, mangoes. Mmm, yum. And, oh, shoot. I'm thinking too deeply about this. Mangoes and dry shampoo. <laughs> Those are really good ones, though. Really. Thanks. Okay. Um, let's see. Clothes. Do you prefer to be a minimalist, or do you like to have a packed closet? Ooh. I'm in that in-between phase where if it's not sparking immediate joy, I get rid of it. So oh, yeah. I'm, me- I'm medium right now with my clothes, but I would say more minimalist. Currently, what is your favorite meal? Oh, this is so fun. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. I saute up kale with a lot of olive oil and Himalayan salt and pepper, and I smush up an avocado and mix it in with it, and then I top it with sunflower seeds. I really need to try that, because I always hear about these delicious kale recipes that include generally everything you just listed, but I never do it, because normally like, like kale intimidates me. I feel like it's going to be too bitter, but I need oh, to try it Oh, yeah. It's, you know, it takes only a couple minutes. That's why I like it, too. Share... An embarrassing moment from your past. <laughs> you know, it's, I'm just going to say it. I've never told that many people this. This is exciting. Oh, my gosh. <sighs> okay, so when I was in high school, <laughs> I was a barista at this coffee shop. And <laughs> I can't believe I'm sharing this. This is exciting. I'm so okay. excited. And uh, there was no bathroom in the, in the coffee shop and I would go for seven hours you know and I'd be like "Ah, I like needing to take a break and run to the the store next door to use the restroom and it happened to be a busy day one time and I peed my pants (laughs) I'm not even kidding you and I was 16 years old you know I'm a woman (laughs) and I was so embarrassed and none of my family answered their phones so I had to call my boyfriend at the time to bring me new pants Oh my gosh, that is so funny. (laughs) Kind of now in hindsight, I was mortified. I was so embarrassed. I was like, hi, can you bring me new pants? He's like, why? I'm like, oh, oh, just please bring me new pants. And I ended up telling him. But yeah, that is probably one of my most embarrassing moments. That is amazing. Okay, I'll share you with mine. I'll give you mine because it's so similar except in age. But whenever I was in second grade, I was taking a quiz in the gym room floor with the entire second grade. All of us were like taking a quiz on the history of volleyball. And my gym teacher really intimidated me and scared me. So I didn't want to like ask her to the bathroom because I thought maybe she'd say no and embarrass me in front of, you know, 200 other kids. So instead, I was wearing these purple corduroy overalls. And I just decided I'd pee myself on the gym floor because like, why not? No one will notice. So yeah. I did. So I didn't even do it on accident. I was just like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm committing to the idea. I'm going to do it. And I did it. And then I was mortified when I realized that the pee like didn't stay in my pants. Like it came out like so I, for some reason I was like, no one will see it. It'll stay in my pants. I'll empty it out when I get to the bathroom. It didn't stay in my pants and everyone knew. So that's you know, high five sister. (laughs) Pee pants up in here. (laughs) Okay. Let's see. Next question. All right. This one's a little tougher, but I think it's super fun. If you had five other lives, you know, besides you still can keep the one you have now, but five more lives, what would they be? Wow. That's a beautiful question. 
I would probably, oh, it has to be a human type life. You can like, pick I, anything you want. You know, it's re- really weird that's coming up for me is I definitely think I would have been a fairy, <laughs> like some kind of fairy. Yeah. I, I don't know what's going on with me and fairies lately, but I feel like fairy, pretty fairy-like. Um, yes, yeah. Definitely would be a queen of some persuasion, a queen of something, not sure. So a fairy, a queen, <laughs> definitely like a hippie that lived in the woods, like, you know. These are amazing. <laughs> With, I love yeah, them. Uh, probably, um, what else would I have been in a past life? Okay, we have fairy, queen, hippie, like uber hippie. Um, <laughs> probably a musician, a singer. Mm-hmm. And uh, the fifth one, shoot, this is a great question. I love it, Maddie. Uh, huh. Huh. I'm feeling stuck on the last one. Um, oh, probably some kind of dog whisperer or someone that rescues dogs that owns like an animal sanctuary. Oh my gosh, yes. I love those. <laughs> so you can be a fairy and my dream would be a mermaid. So we'll have oh, like yeah. this awesome relationship, friendship. Well, I'll take you down under the sea. You can take me above into your little fairy tree house. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> what is a must-read book. Mm, I love Bruce Lipton's work. He marries science and spirit beautifully. So one of my favorite books is The Biology of Belief, and it's a book he wrote, and I I love it, and I recommend it to everyone. Awesome. Last question. Um, I'm going to ask you, what, if you were to challenge everyone to let go of something, what would that be? Hmm. Yeah. Challenge you to let go the idea that you have to do things at ninja level, like a hundred percent or nothing. Because, uh, the truth is, is that life and all of this stuff with food and body, it's messy and it doesn't have to be ninja or perfect. And so if we can just let go of like needing to do it right and just doing it, uh, easier said than done but if you can just get a little bit messier uh I challenge you to that like get a little bit more wild like loosen up it you know like unbutton the collar and just just uh live a little bit more yes I love it that was perfectly said thank you so much for coming on the show Libby I know this was short notice that I asked you to get on so I'm so happy that we got to have this really amazing conversation Um, a very powerful one too that I think we got to cover a lot of different areas so everyone make sure you check out her her links her website thank you so much Libby thank you for being amazing I appreciate you and what you're doing in the world don't forget guys you can go to check out her new program a greater love at the show notes for this at maddiemoon.com slash mbm92 I hope all of y'all are having a fantastic week and I'll catch you on the flip side Thank you.